Yeah, for sure, man. And and I tell you what, if my life was a movie, it would be a kick-ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> so my low of the low was really super low. And I, I literally hit rock bottom. I was homeless and I was addicted to pretty much everything, booze. I would end up in ditches. And, and that's where the term ditches to riches came from. The last part of my addiction led me to a rollover car accident and I I was literally thrown into a ditch. You just nailed it right on the head. It's not what we do that is our passion. It's who we do it for and how we do it that is the passion. Welcome to Learn or Be Learned. This is the podcast show where I read books and show how you can apply it to your life. And like a true anthropologist, I dig up stories on what people are up to and how that can impact you as well. I'm your host, Shiva Danishaker, and let's talk. All right, everyone. So I'm here with Ron Worley. He's an author. Ron, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. My name's Ron Worley. I am an author, a family man, an entrepreneur. And uh, I live my life according to 10 values I call the Whirly Way. I guess let's just jump right into it. What is, what is the 10 values? <laughs> so I will give you a couple because I yeah. want them to read my book if they want to get all 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what? Today, I, I, so my 10 values change all the time, the way I use them. And currently I'm using, uh, I really put a lot of effort into family uh, freedom and hard work. And, uh, that, you know, that's just the top three that I'm focused on where I'm at in my life today. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, when I was younger, it was much different. So I'm 48 now. So, you know, from 48 to from 30 to 48, you know, life changes a lot. So, Mm -hmm. so, so, so should your, uh, value. Okay. And you had a book called ditches to riches is this where those values developed? Did it develop as you were going on your journey? How did this come about? Yeah. So, uh, in my, so I, I'm an addict or was an addict. I I don't believe that we're stuck with that title forever. Um, I, I, I beat it and, and been sober for 18 years now and about four or five years into my, uh, sobriety, I just felt like I was purposeless. I didn't, uh, I was kind of flailing around, you know, I was successful. I had uh, my kids, I was starting to see success at work and uh, owning businesses and things like that, but it it just didn't meet, it didn't feel right. It didn't, there was no meaning to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I met a guy named Jim Hensel, who uh, he owns Mayhem Mindset. And he and I sat down and talked and lo and behold, I, I needed some sort of code in my life, a, a reason to be doing everything I was doing, a purpose. Uh, and so we came up with 10 values. I call him my man coach. Uh, and I, I think every man needs a coach and, and we're just wired that way where, uh, you know, if you think about the Marines, um, and their chance and the army and whatnot, or even if you did any sports at all in your life, uh, there was always the coach always had mantra that you, you follow to keep everybody kind of organized and together. And, uh, same applies to, to my life and to most people's lives if, you know, we, we can get behind something and, and that something is focused on our purpose in the world. Uh, you know, you're going to be a lot more successful. And so that's what I did. We came up with 10 values, uh, called the Whirly way. 
I posted them up at my house um, on a big, huge poster. And I told my kids, okay, this is how we're going to live now. <laughs> and <laughs> so I raised them according to those values. Uh, you know, if they got in trouble or uh, were having, you know, whys in the road uh, or forks in the road, uh, we would come back to those values and we'd sit down and, and go through them and, and see where maybe they needed to work or, or where we could use other values to, to help them out. And it seemed to work, you know, my kids were very uh, susceptible to, to that kind of talking, thinking, uh, and I was able to talk to their hearts much differently than if, you know, than pointing a finger at them when they got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so we moved it on to, to my, I say, we, my wife and I decided to do the same thing in my business, in our businesses. We were going through employees left and right. In fact, we had 24 employees in, in a year. Uh, so every two weeks I was hiring a new employee and, and it was exhausting and expensive. And uh, so then we started hiring according to the Worley way. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden our employees were sticking around. And it was really cool because we no longer did we, were we owner or manager and employee, we were a family mm-hmm. all together. And there was sort of this matriarch that, that kept us all like put together like glue, you know, it was mm-hmm. cool. So you're saying these values that are in your book are versatile. They were in your, you were able to apply in your business, your personal life. Absolutely. And, and I tell everybody, uh, you know, it's, it's not always about using my values. You should have your own values as well. Mine will work in business and in life for sure. They, they work for me. They work for my, uh, anybody that I coach. But absolutely, you should have your own. Uh, when my kids got old enough, uh, you know, I think 19, 20 years old is a good age if, if they're mentally capable of thinking that way. Just start coming up with your own and, and have a, a focus for your life. Uh, it's all about the purpose, man. We, we need to have purpose in our life in order to have meaning. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's just it. So. so I guess to, you know, backtrack, can you take me and the audience back a little bit when you kind of had this movie-like moment of where your life changed around, you know, when we watch that movie and then the, the hero or the protagonist or whatever turns their life around and things start to get better, can you give us a little bit of a mental picture of what that was like before when you started to make that realization and change and then how you are now? Yeah, for sure, man. And, and I tell you what, if my life was a movie, it would be a kick-ass movie. <laughs> so my low of the low was really super low. And I, I literally hit rock bottom. I was homeless uh, in 2003. And I was addicted to pretty much everything. Um, anything, Anytime I drank booze, I would do everything. And mm-hmm. so I would end up on these benches that uh, would, you know, I would end up in ditches and, and that's where the term ditches to riches came from. Uh, the last part of my addiction led me to a rollover car accident and I la- I was literally thrown into a ditch and that was sort of my wake up call at the time I was, uh, I was heavily using and I wasn't able to see my children. Thank mm-hmm. God. Um, and so it had been about six months that I hadn't seen them and they were every bit of every reason of why I was alive or working towards anything anyway. How old and, are you? Uh, I was 30 at that time. So quite, 
quite old in my eyes. I, you know, I late bloomer as far as getting my stuff together. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's when the change happened when I was laying in that ditch and I called my mother and I said, Hey, can you help me? I'm in the hospital. Um, I need a little bit of money to try and, you know, find a place to stay or whatever. And she told me no. Um, and that was my last bridge that I had burnt and, and she was off the Ron train. Uh, <laughs> and, and I wasn't able to see my kids and I, it just was killing me. My heart was broken. Uh, I knew I had to change and I wasn't going to die. I was in, I had all these things happen to me, uh, from childhood on that should have either killed me or, uh, in landed me in prison and, and somehow I was still out there. And so I knew there was a higher purpose for me and I just didn't know what it was. Um, so it was time to change. And, and that, that change took effect over, I mean, it was pretty quick in my eyes, you know, I went to, to AA meetings for, I went to 90 meetings in 30 days. Um, I went hard charge at, at getting so, sober and really the reason why is because I wanted to hurry up and get my kids back. So I, you know, they were the absolute reason to get sober. They weren't the reason that I stayed sober. Um, you know, that I needed something to change my mind at that time. Uh, but once you get sober and start having life without drugs and alcohol, man, life is so good. Um, and I would wake up and not be hung over or I had a, I had a pillow I could lay on. That was cool. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that, that was the change, you know, uh, I, I found a job right away. Um, like a month into my sobriety, I found a job and I was quite content just working. And, uh, I knew that, you know, that wasn't going to be my forever job, but that job got me a one bedroom apartment. It got me started where I could see my kids, you know, I was responsible. I had a bed for them. And I just slowly, uh, for that first year, started working towards real goals, like owning my own business and, and things like that. Um, and the rest is history, as they say. You know, I, I'm always trying to start something uh, every year. I try to have some sort of new project or business that I can mm -hmm. start up. And, you know, I'm, I, I, call, I call them passions. My kids call them new addictions. Uh, you know, I, I, only the addictions are for money now or for purpose rather than, than just drugs. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's, I, I did bodybuilding for a while. That was when I knew I was still had this addictive personality because I started working out and then all of a sudden I wanted to be a bodybuilder and I wanted to, you know, I had to get all big and buff and, and go yeah. that route. <laughs> Eventually I bought these uh, nutrition stores and, and those, you know, then I didn't just buy one. I had to, I had to own four and it just kept going. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's how it works for me. So you had a, your first job and you kind of built momentum. So when you kind of started your first business and stuff, and I'm sure this is probably in your book, right? It talks about how yeah. you grew your business and everything. Um, which I'm excited yeah. to check out, by the way, to check out your book. Do you mind giving a little bit of a gist of where did you get that knowledge from? Did you self-learn? Did you have a mentor? How did that come about? Yeah, so I I did self-learn a lot. Uh, and I also had mentors. But, I, you know, to start things off, it, you know, I just had to have that screw it, do it mentality. Mm -hmm. um, just give it a try. And 
fortunately for me, I've always been very brave and, and definitely unafraid of consequences. And so pulling the trigger on my own business didn't even seem like a risk uh, on the first one. You know, I had nothing to lose, man. Like I didn't have any money. So what was I going to lose? You know, mm -hmm. uh, so it, it was all to me, anything was better than where I was at. So starting that first business uh, as a bail bondsman and then moving on to uh, real, sorry, into nutrition and then in real estate and all these things I'm into, um, you know, it actually gets harder. It gets more risky as time goes on. Uh, or there's this weird uh, place when it's you're putting down a lot of money, but it's all the money you have, mm -hmm. you know. And so there is a, a a bigger risk when you actually have money to to lose. the The whole thing was screw it, do it. Let's just try it and see where it's at. Now I am not formally educated. I was kicked out of college twice due to my alcoholism, and um, and so I never finished college. I just went out and tried things. And I listened to others. Unfortunately for me, I, I met a guy was, he was an extremely successful businessman and he could pretty much do any business mm -hmm. and apply his knowledge and it would go. And so I just did what he told me to do uh, for a long time. And then uh, when I got comfortable in what he told me to do, I would twist it and, and kind of make it my own. And for instance, you know, he never, wanted me working out in the community. He never told me go out in your community and volunteer or uh, go to races and, and hand out your product or anything. He was more about, you know, get a, get a good customer, but get out in the community and know people. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that that's great and all, but you know, there, there's only so many opportunities to do that. And I found out that if I'm out in the community, I'm actually altruistically giving back to the community. The community will take care of you. Mm -hmm. And we've done that in, in this town that we live in Greeley, Colorado. I think there's 120,000 people here. We start something up. We have a built-in customer base because we've been out in the community for so long, you know, 20 years or so of, of working at helping other people has paid off. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, and I, I think everybody should have mentors in their life. I, I mentor people. I enjoy mentoring younger folks, you know, uh, folks that maybe haven't quite understood what life's about yet. And, and I get to watch that happen. And, and that's mm -hmm. fun for me. That's actually going to be something I was about to mention was, you know, I'm, I'm 22. Everyone around me, the peers I talk to, everyone's like, man, I, I, one minute I got this plan and the next it's something completely different. I think around your 20s and maybe even to your 30s, you're still trying to find what your purpose, your passions, what you're interested right. in is, and all that. I've watched other people, podcasts, all these things, and people that are much older than me and have much more wisdom generally say things like, you know, just go try things, just keep, like, just jump, you know, like kind of how you said, right. like, screw it and do it, just jump into the deep end and just do it. Yep. Like, what are your thoughts on that exactly? Yeah, that, that, Really, that is the, that's exactly what you have to do. We try to eliminate the risk or the fear that comes with just jumping in with both feet by doing our homework and making sure the industry can handle it or what kind of money do I need to make or how much do I need to borrow? Uh, you know, the preliminary business plans and things like that can definitely help you 
eliminate some of that risk. But at the end of the day, I had to jump in with both feet. And I've always done things I wanted to do, but I quickly got bored with them and was doing everything to set them up and have other people do them for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be running my own businesses. I want to have a little bit of freedom. Um, I want to be able to consult with my managers or consult with my employees rather than micromanage them. And I think that allows you for exactly what you were just saying at a young age, you know, you can start up a company at 22, 23 years old. And by the time you're 26 or 27, start a different company, you know, and, and, but you don't have to leave one to, to do the other. You know, currently I, I own four different companies and I'm, I'm a part of every one of them every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just am not, you know, I don't sit in the office down there and talk to people on the phone. That's, that's not my deal. Um, I talk to employees and I coach them and, and motivate them to continue to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the high, highly important part is, you know, if you think about helping others, if we just say at the end of the day, whatever the forces may be, we're supposed to help other people in this world. That's our whole design, right? It's just for the sake of argument, that's what we're supposed to do. And so how many people can I help if I'm going to work 12, 15 hours a day and I'm, and I'm digging ditches. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no problem. I, you know, I dig, I dug ditches. I was a concrete guy for years, but I was only helping myself or maybe paying the rent for my family. So a very small amount of people could I help with my job. But as I grew into entrepreneurship and I started hiring people and my sphere got bigger and, and my employees spheres got bigger, all of a sudden, you know, now I'm, I talk to, you know, I communicate with 50,000 people a week. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's what I'm growing is, is the ability to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when you take it out and it's altruistic and when you take out all the BS that, that goes along with, you know, so people, people think it's all about money and whatnot. And really, if you take the focus off of money, put it on to helping others and you're real about it. Success is around the corner, man. Money is a byproduct. No, I I love that because I read this book called life's great question. And there was this quote that was like, everyone's trying to find their passion, but we should all focus on what's our contribution. Right. Right. So how can you help other people and passion kind of follows I started thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, it actually kind of, kind of sounds right. You know, you, if you focus on helping others, your passion is just going to follow rather than kind of stressing about like, what am I into trying to find your personal, you know, your personal goal is only trying to help yourself by trying to find your own passions just often sometimes doesn't work out. Yeah, that's, that's the truth, man. And I love that. That's, that's very smart. And, and it's no different than saying what, you know, what's my purpose and, uh, you know, we all have a purpose. We all have different things we're good at. We need employees. We need entrepreneurs uh, mm-hmm. in order for this this great world of capitalism to go around. You know, and and everybody's a player. I mean, I have a I have a uh, secretary that sits in my office, and she basically runs my business for me, and I trust her wholeheartedly. And, and but I couldn't I couldn't have a successful business if it wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't. She couldn't run the business. She she don't want that responsibility, and and together because we have these 
its values in our business. Uh, compassion is one of them that, that she runs with, with the Veil Bonds company. Compassion is a big proponent of that. That's a big value for us. And so for her, she's living the purpose of being compassionate, which she's very compassionate. She helps so many people, mm-hmm. but she's living that through her job. And so it really helps her stay focused and, and feel like she's doing something for the world uh, when she can do that. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, you end up loving what you do, at, even yeah. if it's your job, if, if you feel like you're helping people and making a difference. Yeah, and I think you just you just nailed it right on the head. Mm-hmm. It's not what we do that is our passion. It's who we do it for and how we do it that mm-hmm. is the passion. Yeah, I like that. You know, I guess a side question real quick. You said you had four companies, correct? Uh, yeah, four different companies Mm -hmm. that i mean i so i believe in doing uh ancillary companies um so we're into real estate right now i i have my bail bonds company that'll never go away um but we got into really being real estate agents owning a real estate company um and then uh along with that i have a company that builds a houses um and then i have a development company as well and between the four businesses, there three of them are actually focused in one area. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take me too far off path, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And is that is that more common? Do people tend to people that have multiple companies? Is it around the same sector, or do people diversify a little bit? Or have you noticed that? I have noticed, and and a lot of people diversify, um, and, and I also diversify on how I make my money but you know at any given time it yes if if the market crashed and the housing market was dead three of my companies would go bye-bye but that is not my mainstay of of money that is mm-hmm. my investment mm-hmm. and so you, you know that you've got to make hay why I don't know how that saying goes, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got to make the money while you can. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, it's funny because especially real estate, everybody thinks the money's in being a real estate agent mm-hmm. and it's not the, that that's great money, but the money is in the ancillary businesses, the people that inspect the homes, uh, the people that, do the appraisals, the, the house cleaners. I mean, the amount of money that goes that we have to pay to sell a home is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And we have our people, you know, the, the contractors that come in that own their own businesses and they come in and they fix up the house so that we can sell it or whatever. And, uh, you know, those guys are making money and everybody gets a piece of the pot. Mm-hmm. The real estate agent appears to be making a lot of money, but the end of the day, they're only making about a third of what they're bringing in. So you're saying all the like the upkeep companies, basically. Yeah, and so in my opinion, why wouldn't I own an insurance company that provides the homeowners their insurance? Why wouldn't I own inspecting company that would inspect the home for the buyer as they're, you know, what I'm saying? Like, why not try and capture all that money and keep it in my pocket uh, rather than? then give it away to someone else. And I think a lot of companies do that. If you look at any, any bigger company, any corporation, uh, you know, they try and buy their way. They try to have, they try to feed themselves. Um, for instance, when I owned uh, the nutrition stores, we had a clothing line and we had a, uh, a supplement line. And 
you know, so we needed shirts to give away. And so rather than pay somebody else for these shirts and have them printed and all that, uh, we just went into business with a printing guy and, you know, we were able to, you know, it, it paid for our shirt. So that that's kind of my philosophy, trying to keep it all in-house. And there's just so many different avenues that, and places that you spend money when you own a business. Mm-hmm. It's nice to try and capture it all. And with all these businesses and everything, right, I think one of the biggest goals, in my opinion, to be achieved is is happiness, Right. Yes. And that goes along with contribution. Are you happy on what you do? Do you wake up every day excited to to you know get the ball rolling, or you know do you drag your feet when you get to your job, that kind of thing? And I yep. noticed you had an acronym for happiness, correct? Yeah. Live like you're dying. Yeah. The philosophy came uh, in 2016. I was at work. I was doing a. I was given a speak at a speaking event at the courthouse and uh i was talking to 52 probation officers and i I dropped dead of massive heart failure and here i was in the best shape of my life i was drug and alcohol free for 15 years at that time or 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 just a little less and there was absolutely no reason for me to have heart failure but it ended my life i died on the spot it brought me back to life and when i and when I came to, I was in the hospital and, and the doctors gave me a very short uh, lifespan, you know, maximum five years, uh, but most likely to have to have a heart transplant within a couple of years. Uh, and, and then that's when, you know, your heart transplant, the, the life expectancy is about 10 years after you have one of those. So I wasn't going to see my 60s, I figured. And so I went on a, the when the doctor said you, if you make it past the first six months, you have this many years left, or we can get you a heart transplant, blah, blah, blah. So in I, my eyes, I heard you, you may not live six months. So I just went out and started doing things. Like I went out and saw people uh, that I hadn't seen in a while. I made sure to go to my families, uh, the people in my family and visit them and, um, and really spend quality time with these people instead of just going to visit. I would, you know, we would, we would visit like it was the last time we were going to see each other. And so I started doing things uh, that I always wanted to do. I started painting. I started, uh, you know, I bought the car I always wanted. I, you know, I, I started traveling and um, I just started living a, a lot freer, knowing that I'm probably not going to get to do this again. And that's where the the phrase came from, live like you're dying. Because in that moment, I was all of a sudden the wealthiest I've ever been due to the fact that my relationships were, uh, had grown and the moments that I spent with these people were so precious. And, uh, and, and that's the big, uh, you know, I I'll blow the, the whole book is ditches to riches and the riches is not money. The riches is relationships and it's moments in time. Um, you know, I, it was very important to become a person who cared about other people and and made a like a legacy uh rather than making money and and that's where that's where that phrase came from now i i don't think that you can always be happy when you wake up in the morning um but i but i sure try to be you know uh i sing a song every morning i get in the shower and i scream and yell and have fun and you know that i got a really cool shower and 
just love it, man. So, so yeah. Is it I'm is it like one of those it. rainfall showers or something? I got two rainfalls and six heads. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where my day starts, and I always do try to be uh, at least start off positive and happy. Uh, it is one of my values you'll find in the book is happiness. And uh, it, it's not always easy to be happy. And of course, we have anger and, and these other feelings that come along throughout the day. But again, that's more about moments of your day. It's not, it doesn't have to define your whole day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to live by. And how would you recommend that for people that are younger that don't, right? So let's say you're saying like, you know, live every day, like, you know, like it's going to be your last, but what if, you know, someone's like, okay, well, I want to travel. I want to do this and that, but you, you know, as a younger person, you don't have that funds to do as many things as you want to. That's why you're probably grinding in your early years to, you know, have a better future. What What do you say on that dichotomy right there? Yeah, absolutely. And and I was the same way, man. I didn't have any money when I was young. You're not going to, you know, traveling. You, so you travel, you, you drive up, up to the mountains in Colorado. We always drive to the mountains for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you find things that make you happy that don't cost you money. Be mm-hmm. a little more creative. It, it isn't about the money you're spending or the place you're going. It's about the journey getting there. And it's about the time you're spending while you're doing it. There are so many things that we can do uh, and, and it, it don't even have to be the do like uh, learning to paint was the silliest thing ever, but I wanted to do it. And so I got on YouTube and I started researching all the different ways you could paint and styles and paints that you use and acrylics versus oil. And, and I spent a good six or eight months just making crap and having fun, you know, and uh, by the time it was done, I was pretty good and I was having art shows and doing, you know, having fundraisers and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was it was all just about the idea of wanting to paint. And I I think as a young uh, as a young person, you know, having multiple jobs is an absolute. Um, you know, I tell my kids now, if you don't have enough money, get another job and and you know, my kids all do pretty well. They haven't asked me for any money. That's, that's been cool. So, (laughs) you know, and, and, and they do, they find, you know, of course we're not going to live free and just get to go traveling and nobody in the world gets to do that. And, and unless they're super, super rich and, and I'm not one of those either. And I don't plan on retiring and doing, you know, just living every day in a different place or anything like that. It's um, I think our freedom and the freedom to live learning how to live, uh, that's from within. That's, it's all about making ourselves happy. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I think we get hung up on money way too much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially as a kid, we just want to make money. And I hear all these lofty goals of retiring when you're 45 and, uh, things like that. And and it all sounds great when you're working your butt off as a 22, 23, 24 year old, yeah, I'm going to retire when I'm 45. And, but man, you'd be bored, you know? So you just learn to do other things and work isn't as important when you get older, especially if you made some money along the way and you have that freedom. And 
that whole process is highly important when you're young in your twenties. Yeah. You should be working your butt off. Uh, absolutely. And no, you're not going to travel as much, but when you do enjoy it for every second that you're doing it. No, I definitely see that. And with, you know, with this new generation and with technology being very prominent, I've noticed another very difficult obstacle is kind of drowning out all the happiness that's around you when you're looking at social media, right? So you look up, you know, a Ferrari or you look up a millionaire and you'll see someone who's like 25 and a millionaire or something. And, and, you know, that's like one in, that's very few, right? It's not very common, but you can literally Google young millionaires and you'll see just a ton of them. So it'll feel Uh like there's a ton of them. And I noticed that's a very difficult obstacle for people nowadays is that they're surrounded by things that they think should come quicker than it does. Right, absolutely. And the patience aspect with that. And I I think technology has made some very young millionaires. Uh, You think about social media uh, influencers and how they make their money and, and they've shortcut all the hard work. However, it takes so much hard work. You know this, trying to run a, a start your own podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it takes so much work to do these things. And But we're not going to put the hard work on social media. We're going to mm-hmm. put the cars we bought, the houses we bought. You know, it, it's all smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. Um, there's hard work involved in everything you do. And especially if you want to make a million dollars at it, you've got to work your butt off. You know, I, I always look at, People that have more money than me, I'm not envious of them because I know how much more work they have to do than I do. Um, You know, a billionaire has no time. Yeah, sure, they're traveling everywhere, but you know that they're being asked the question every second of every day they're awake. Mm -hmm. You know, the the adversities just change. Mm-hmm. And they could become more complex. And I honestly, I have no interest in that, in being a billionaire. I, I wouldn't want that much money. Mm-hmm. Now I'll take, I'll take 10 or 15 million, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, my goal was to uh, just be able to stop working uh, at a certain age and, and I'm almost there and, and it's, it's only going to take, you know, I won't give the number. It's in, but it's a few million dollars is all it really takes to be, done working and have and work not work because you have to but work because you want to mm-hmm. and, and you know anyways and uh i was just gonna say i read this book a, a long while back called the i think billionaire mindset or something mm-hmm. and the last there was like 10 points and then the last one was you know it's not cut out for a lot of people and yeah. it was it was talking about how you know, billionaires adversities, like they have to, they have to solve problems that nobody's solved before. You have nobody to go to, nobody to ask because they're solving problems that have never been, you know, dealt with because of the magnitude of how much money and, you know, how big their company is. And they're always traveling. They have no time for family, things like that. Yeah, man. And I, gosh, I, I didn't even great point man i didn't mm-hmm. even think about that that mm-hmm. you know that they, they are there you, you look at elon musk and and how spacex almost went out of business until nasa uh gave them a big huge billion i think six billion dollar contract mm-hmm. and and he cries when he talks about that moment because he was a billionaire about to lose everything 
and this company comes along and saves him. And, and it was the hard work that he put in. But could you imagine the amount of pressure on you as a billionaire and hundreds of thousands of employees and, you know, just that, that pressure uh, to, in making money. And I always, I tell my kids the same thing. Enjoy at 22, 23, 25 years old, enjoy the simplicity of your life. You know, it is so simple <laughs> to, to pay rent in your, you know, in your bedroom, in your one bedroom, house full of kids you know it's it's so easy to pay that 400 bucks a month or 500 bucks a month mm-hmm. uh and split the cable bill you know that stuff is you'll never get it back and it it may seem like it's you're all you're doing is paying bills but it's the least amount of bills you're ever going to pay mm-hmm. in your life and you should just enjoy it uh the the adversities get much bigger as you make more money as you bring on more messes i think we just learn to deal with the pressure of it mm-hmm. um in fact, in when I started the nutrition stores, um, we had four of them, and my wife and I used to go for a walk every single day, and we'd walk around the neighborhood and go home. And after, at one point during owning those, I had actually had we were talking business, and I had a panic attack, which I had no clue what a panic attack was. I didn't know that's what I was having at the time. But I basically was walking and then all of a sudden I wasn't, I passed out mm-hmm. and hit the deck and, and all it was, was the amount of pressure. And when we started talking about it, I just started, you know, building this pressure up in my, in my own self. And, and I guess panic attacks cause heart issues and whatnot. And ultimately that's probably what killed me. So <laughs> yeah, stress is a big killer. Stress is a huge killer. And I'm sure that helped with your recovery as well as when you started going around talking to family and spending quality moments, your stress probably went down a lot. So I have made priority uh, or I've made my downtime a priority. And so I absolutely go fishing. I absolutely go golfing, absolutely hang out in my pool. And I've made those things uh, available to me that's that's like a part of my routine in life now um is the no work no phone calls no nothing moments that i can get and so i feel like i now i work you know i work really hard for a few hours and then i go take a break and do something mm-hmm. um and i enjoy that and i i look forward to it i i know that's probably not a typical millionaire's brain but that's how i figure i'm going to live long enough to enjoy my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so we've we talked a little bit about you know mindsets prosperity what wealth really means you know family stress all these things and i think one more important last point we should talk about is your your circle your social circle your friend groups and how that impacts you as well right because family you know you don't, you don't pick your family, your, your, your right. family's your family, but you pick your friends and that's very right. important. And I've heard things like, you know, oftentimes your salary or your, your net worth is often around your friend group, like right. your friend group's net worth is similar to yours or some, something like that. Right. All right. So I'm here with Tyler Foley. I'm businessman, entrepreneur, jack of all trades, child actor. And if you are finding value in learn or be learned. 
and what Shiva has to offer to you with finding value of the guests that he's bringing on or the information that he's bringing himself to this podcast. First of all, I want you to hit pause and give it a five-star review because the only way that he's going to be able to get better guests on that are able to bring information to you so that you can hear it, the only way he's going to do that is the more five-star reviews he gets. So I need you to hit pause right now and give a five-star review. Well, so yeah, what I think uh, I've heard it over and over again. You can determine your future by the friends you hang out with. Yeah, and I I believe that some of that's true, especially when we're young. Uh, in our twenties, we really should focus up on having friends that are that are uh, bilateral rather than unilateral. You know, the the unilateral relationship of an eighteen year old meaning oh, we go out and get drunk together or we go out and, and do this together. You know, that it's a friendship based on something you do rather than a friendship based on a relationship. Um, and, and so over time, so for instance, um, you know, I have a best friend and he's a teacher. He makes $55,000 a year. No, we don't have the same bank book. Mm-hmm. However, we have a lot of the same morals and values and we love to fish together and we just, that's what we do. And so he's my ride or die friend. So you talk about the kind of people that you should have around you. Um, I, I think you should have a ride or die friend, at least one of those. I have three. Uh, my wife asked me to start including her in that. So, <laughs> so I now have three instead of two. <laughs> it broke her heart the last time I said I have two. So. <laughs> uh, but so my ride or die friends, those are guys that you, you can tell them anything on earth. They've been there. In fact, my ride or die, my really good ride or die friends, the two, the two other guys besides my wife, um, have been there when I was homeless. They have been there and tried to help me when I was uh, using and, and, and abusing. So, um, and, and vice versa, I've helped them in their trying times too. Um, but usually you have a little bit of time with these guys. These guys are the ones that you probably grew up with or um, have known for many, many years, and you just trust them with anything that comes out of your mouth. Uh, and, and sometimes, most of the time, they're not really there to change your trajectory. They're mostly there to either egg you on or, you know, be your fan or uh, just listen sometimes. Um, we, mm-hmm. Those are highly important because the rest of them aren't really uh, as locked in as that ride or die friend. Um, of course, I think we need to have business mentors, business friendships. Uh, and I have lots of those. Those those guys are the guys I go have coffee with and we, we basically talk shop. And uh, because... You should never, you know, I always say poop, poop rolls uphill, not downhill. You don't want to go to your employees and complain about what's going on in your company. You don't want to go to your kids and complain about uh, what's going on in, with the bills. You know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. it needs to go uphill. And when you're a business owner, there's only, you can only go to other business owners because everybody else is your employee. So I like to go to my business friends and we compare notes and, and help each other out. And, and these are people that I can get, uh, I can call up and get, you know, ideas or brainstorm with. And, um, and when you're young, when you're in your twenties, most of those people are going to be 
successful and, and a little older and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's a different relationship and you're probably going to do a lot of listening. Whereas when you get a little older and a little wiser, you're going to do a lot of talking and a lot less listening. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. You know, yeah. it's the circle of life. I always try to have spiritual f- friends as well. Um, my, my spiritual friend is Jim Hensel, the guy I was talking about before. And it's, he's not a religious friend. Let me get this straight. He's a spiritual friend. So he helps me stay connected to my values and who I be as a person. Um, we use the word be and be capital B capital E stands for your talents, your values, and your purpose. And when you can do things that support your B, then your life will be much happier and you'll stay focused into your purpose rather than on all the busyness of going on around you. And so I'll connect with him. Uh, and I can almost, he's almost the ride or die because I can tell him almost anything. Um, but he's, he's not going to care about how I feel. He's going to care about my values and how I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, not to say I can't call him and be like, Oh, I'm so mad right now. Um, but he's going to say, okay, great. You're mad. Now, what do we do? And, you know, yeah. whereas the ride or die friend, you're going to bitch and moan on his, <laughs> on his shoulder and, you know, and, yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. So, um, and then my executor friends. So I have, uh, people that just like to get shit done, man. Just let's get it done. Um, those people, I, and this is honestly where I, I had put my wife in the first place because, uh, she is, my executor friends are usually business partners, people that get things done that I can trust, that I can lean on, that I can give things to, uh, tasks to, and they just get them done. And the reason I classify them as friends rather than, you know, a business partner or a, an acquaintance is because I'm always trying to have a tighter relationship with people than, than just the surface of a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a friendship with these people. And when we have a breakup, when we have to break up a company or stop being friends, it hurts, but that's the purpose. I wasn't in it well enough. If my executor friend isn't a friend, you know, um, I don't know them well enough. If I haven't learned something about them and, and if I have to fire someone at work, it should hurt me. You know, that, that means I was doing my job as a boss. And so yeah, I, those are the four main friends. And then the the fifth one that I always say we need are, I call them friendlies. Um, and we all have them. They're, they're people that know us. We know them too. But like your social media friends, you, you keep up with them on social media. Um, you probably, if you saw them in the community, you would say hi and have a, a, a meaningless talk about what's going on in your life, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but these people are highly important because they're your, they're your customer base. They're highly mm-hmm. important to your business, not so much your life. Um, for instance, we're getting ready to have a 4th of July party. Now, two years ago, we, we invited, it was an open invitation for everybody. All the friendlies in the world came. They wanted to see our, our mansion on the hill and they were all, you know, they were just impressed. And, but we, it got out of hand. People that we barely knew were acting a fool. We didn't know them well enough to know how they acted when they were at parties and drinking and things like that. And, and things got out of hand. 
Now this year we're inviting uh, about 30 friends and we know every single one of them and we trust them. You know, that's the difference. The great thing about friendlies is that when you start up a business, they're in your sphere and they are your customers. So every time you start something up, you have an automatic uh, customer base. Uh, for instance, we took all the people that we knew from our nutrition stores, roughly 15,000 people in our database. And we just said, hey, we're going into real estate. If you need to buy or sell, give us a call. And lo and behold, we had five people in the first week that were looking to buy and sell houses. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah. And if you do the math on, 50, you know, 3% commission, it was, you know, 30, $30,000, $40,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that was a great way to start the business. So, um, you know, it's it's important. And and these guys, so what we do for these friends, because you can't really keep track of them all, there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people that you're connected to that know you, but you don't necessarily know them. You're not really into their lives, but you want to be. You just want them to know you're out there and that you, you appreciate them. Um, so we give them, like we'll order quarterly, we give out, gifts um to our sphere and so like we gave out free ice cream cones uh at the local goobers ice cream here uh and we sent uh these tickets that that gave out free ice cream to everybody in our sphere uh you know it cost us a couple of thousand bucks to give out ice cream but everybody that got one knew that we appreciated them Mm -hmm. Uh, and it keeps them around and keeps them being a customer so they're, they're really important as well. It's just, they're not tight, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So you kind of got like a full sphere of different types of friend groups. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, so just so you know, and I did a lot of thinking on this friendship thing. Um, when I came up with my values, there was, there, there was values that I had or put down that I wanted to be. Now, I never thought I was a good friend because I could never give enough time to people in order to be a friend. I didn't have that time to invest, nor did I want to. I didn't, you know, if it didn't happen naturally, I didn't want to give the time. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was important to, for me to break down the friendships in order for me to understand where I was at with them comes from a huge amount of insecurity uh, that I grew up with and, and had to put wraps on and, uh, so, you know, that by being able to define friendships and put them into categories, I was actually able to be a better friend. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> well, <Steal it>. yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for listening. And Ron, Ron Worley, thank you for being on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing everything that you got. Oh, thank you so much, Shiva. It's been fun. 